Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, presented by DraftKings 2022 RBC Heritage Picks, Bets, Preview, One and Done, plus a Masters Recap. Reminder to everyone to smash the like button to the episode. Comment with your winner in the comment section on YouTube and sub to Mayo Media Network on YouTube or the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Reminder to everyone as well to play in the DraftKings Listeners League. The link is down in the description. 3,000 spots this week. Let's fill it up quickly because we want to get this larger than 5,000 people for the next major championship. We can only do that by filling the tournament and filling it as fast as possible, letting it grow throughout time. Although we probably won't have one for the Zurich because I don't even remember if there is DraftKings or not for Zurich. We'll see. I suppose that'll be a nice surprise for next week. Plus, I have the winners of the Masters Swag. And how it's going to work is whoever I say is number one, they get first pick of the draw. Once that item is gone, number two gets the second pick. Number three gets a pick. Thank you all again for leaving the rating and reviews for the Pat Mayo Experience. Especially helpful in countries that aren't the United States and Canada. Those are very helpful, mind you. But uh, if you are in, in one a country that's not one of those countries, uh, it really helps us move up the rankings. rankings. So like we were number one in Kenya for the week. Great news. So thank you to all the viewers in Kenya. Number two in South Africa. Thank you to the South African people who rated and reviewed the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. And thanks for listening as well. So number one. First pick of this draft, and I'll contact you via Twitter DM, Mystic Brooks. Thank you for the review. You get first pick. Mr. Purple Biz is number two. And number three is M Philly 1022. Those are the three winners of the Master Swag Draw. So we'll get those items out to you as quickly as possible. Thank you again for leaving the rating and review. If you want to do it anyway, you can go do that right now on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Jeff Feinberg is on the line. Scotty Scheffler wins the Masters. It was kind of boring because he was winning by so much. Here's the thing. It's not that I'm against Scotty Scheffler winning the Masters, but if someone is going to win the Masters that doesn't financially compensate me, I always like it to be more of a character. Like, it's kind of fun that Bubba is going to be in our lives forever as long as he wants to play in the Masters. Patrick Reed is another one. Like, we're just going to see Patrick Reed in perpetuity. Like, Charles Schwartzel is kind of like, eh. I feel like Scotty Scheffler is going to be on that plane once he's past the point of him being really good. It's going to be like, oh yeah, Scotty Scheffler's still playing in the Masters all these years. Maybe he develops like a big personality over the course of the next decade, but you know, I was hoping he would be like Cameron Champ or something like that, just some like crazy outlier. And you're like, oh yeah, that guy won the Masters in 2022. Didn't happen though. It was Scheffler. Yeah, Ari Eggs. Yeah, Ari Eggs. Yeah, the most obvious choice that we all should have seen coming won the Masters, and you kind of feel stupid by not betting him once you see what the results were. So I guess I totally agree with you in that respect. If you're not going to win money, it'd be fun if for it to be a yeah, yeah. Ske- Scheffler just seems like a boring guy, but that's his bit. Uh, he's got a lot of that Zach Johnson. Uh, vibes to him too if you watched his post which is nice and helped him get through what was a long challenging morning and and clearly a a day that that will test you credit to scotty scheffler i you know i think we all kind of joked i remember your original show last week with um tambo and ben and ben is like if scheffler or cam smith win this thing like i'm gonna be 
feeling nothing in my pockets. Like, it's going to be a problem. And it was the most obvious Masters, really, ever in the sense that the two guys who've been playing the best in the world were really the two guys going into Sunday with a chance. And the two players who aren't the sexiest players and were both sort of in the middle of the pack, that if they were sexy, more name value players and Connors and Lowry, they would have been probably more popular than they were. And they had been like the most stable players in recent, you know, weeks. And they both had fantastic weeks. So it's kind of hard not to kick yourself and be like, I don't know. That just seems so obvious. And you went a little contrarian or a lot contrarian and you got got good like myself. Yeah, I mean, listen, no one was beating Scheffler. That was kind of obvious when we were doing the cut sweat show on Friday night. Even the Ander Curse, well, the Ander Curse worked in one of two ways. One, he was cheering against Scheffler the entire show. And then I think that when we started the show, it was like tied. Then all of a sudden he was up five by the end of the show. And then he said that there was no chance that Scheffler loses. And then, so I don't know which way that he wants it. He wants credit both ways on regardless of whatever the result was going to be. But at that point, it was just like, can anyone make up these strokes? And Cam Smith almost did it. He got within two early on Sunday. And obviously, Scheffler chips in on three. And then the lead gets expanded again. It starts to get a little bit tighter when Scheffler makes the bogey. And then all of a sudden, Cam Smith is making triple on everyone's favorite hole, number 12. So, I mean, I end up with Zalatoris and Morikawa. They had good weeks. Like, normally, the way that they played. Rory Zalatoris here. Yeah, like they were in the mix, but it, it kind of sucks when these are your guys, they perform well, and they had absolutely no chance of winning. It sucks. Rory got to within three. Scheffler still the two par fives, and I was like, I don't know. Maybe there's a something from above can happen. But, yeah, I, I misread the whole thing in the sense that I didn't expect the weather to have such an impact on scoring like it did i really didn't i mean what the final score is with the even being under 10 going into um sunday i didn't anticipate that i didn't i thought it could play easier and then when it did play easier the guys that i did have good money on and willie and rory played fantastic but i don't know there's no debating there's no debating scheffler before we've seen these kinds of seasons pat but I feel like we were more prepared for them. Like Jason Day's, you know, he'd already been sort of ascending to that point where he's like a clear-cut future number one player in the world. A lot of us love Scotty Scheffler. Like, I don't even know how anyone could have ever said a bad word about him. But did you see him being a number one player in the world type player who then's going to get number one and subsequently go win the first major after that? to like throat stomp how number one in the world he is no oh in incredible incredible yeah, yeah incredible so i'm trying to think of like this type of run so it's four wins in six events a match play a major two other wins and i think you hit on it the last guy that kind of pulled off this kind of run was probably jason day in 2015 
right after Jordan Spieth pulled off a very similar run at the beginning of 2015 when he won a bunch of times, then he won the Masters, and then he won the U.S. Open, and then it just kind of got shifted onto Jason Day, who I think won four or five times in eight starts, something crazy like that. There was a Dustin run as well. Maybe it culminated with the Masters Dustin, when he fell down the stairs, had like won, I swear to you, three of five before he fell down the stairs that one time, Pat. And Dustin, before his November win, might have won his two previous. But again, like Day was, you know, it's sad. I I swear to you, when I first started working with this kind of off topic, obviously, but when I started working with Cam, like he promised me Jason Day was going to win a Masters. So I almost had like a sad private PC with Cam. Like it's sad that like Jason Day is not even in the Masters anymore and you kind of look at the names yesterday who might be their last ever masters that's how weird and you know prestigious and alluring in many ways the tournament is but going back to the previous topic i think when dj fell down the stairs he'd won like three of five like something stupid and he could have essentially done what scotty did yesterday yeah the favorite too looking back at dustin like going into the masters that he did win That was coming out of the COVID break, obviously. He won at Travelers. That was nice. We cashed a nice one with that. And then he went on this crazy run. He was second at the PGA uh, to Colin Morikawa. He won the Northern Trust, second at the BMW, won the Tour Championship, sixth at the Fall U.S. Open, second in Houston, won the Masters. Like, that's a pretty substantial run through everything. What was the year he fell down the stairs? Was that 2018? Uh, Will it Sergio? Reed? Reed. Yeah, what what year was it that he withdrew? Do you remember? I guess it would have had to have been the Reed year. I suppose I can just look up Masters and see what year he didn't play. He didn't play in 2017, so that would have been the Sergio Masters. Sergio Rose Masters. Yeah, let's see. His lead-in form to that was third, first, first coming in. That that was his lead-up form. That's all he had played. He missed the cut at the Farmers. Third at Pebble Beach, won the Genesis, won WGC Mexico, which I think was still at the Row at the time. No, that was the first year it was in Mexico. Uh, then we didn't see him again until the player, till the Wells Fargo, where he came second. So that would have been that type of run. But this is up there with like some of the best that I can ever remember in my lifetime. Obviously, it's not what Tiger did in 2000 when he won, what, three majors and won nine events, something crazy like that. But... You know, he's halfway there to doing something kind of insane like that. Uh, do you think he can keep this going, or is this sort of like the peak, and now we're on the other side? And I guess my other question is, what happens with Cam Smith now? Because we've seen guys blow their careers on number 12, and they just don't rebound to be the same guy anymore. Yeah, I don't really put much into that with Cam Smith. He seems like he can. he'll get over that. He'll go into next year's Masters. Seems like a perennial evergreen Masters contender based on, you know, his record. And you could argue even argue his finishing position yesterday. If you want to bet him next year, you'll probably make a case. You won't argue the finishing position. You'll say he was in the final group, three strats back at the go on Sunday. As for Scheffler, um, you know, it's funny when people like he was a forgotten entity last week. No, he wasn't. We all talked about him. Hideki was like way more forgotten. Sergio, way more forgotten, like, entity that ended up winning. Uh, We all acknowledge Scheffler in his place. I just made silly comments like, if I'm going to bet Scheffler at 16, think I'd rather just bet Justin Thomas at 14 or even debate betting Rom. You know, silly things that guy, guy like me who's too deep into the forest 
too deep into the forest to see how obvious the two best players in the world right now when Smith and Scheffler, ah, whatever. I also said an embarrassing thing about how, well, maybe not embarrassing, but I don't even think you disagreed with it, Pat. I'm like, Scheffler, I don't even know that I would have Augusta as his top two chances to win a major this year. So the question you just asked me, can he keep it going? He seems course proof based on all his WGC and major track records before he won these majors. So it doesn't seem like he's going to play himself out of any course. Southern Hills is his favorite, although they've renovated it. So I kind of make the joke. Is that like going to your new, your favorite restaurant when they change the menu a little, like even the smallest change to your favorite dish can, can put you off. But he says it's his favorite course on earth, but hasn't seen it post some restoration. U.S. Opens, a long straight, gets out of trouble, makes par. Like, didn't the guy par 12 every day? Didn't he make a bird? Like, didn't he get through 11 and 12 under par? So I have no idea. I have no idea. Hyperbole says he can win them all, but I can't even bet on it. Because I wasn't taking the 16s. I'm not taking the 12s at PGA now. Yeah, the biggest mistake that we've made in all of this was not recognizing that this stretch was truly a historic thing. And that, he, although, I mean, we should have noticed when he was the number one player in the world, but I would say the vast majority of people going into the week and the odds reflected it, and even the bet handle reflected it, that who would you rather have this week, even <laughs> if it was just no odds attached to it, Rom or Scheffler? Like 90% of people would have said Rom, myself included, yourself included. Yeah, and if I had to put money on it, I think I would have bet if I had to bet Cam Smith or or Scheffler, I think I was leaning Cam Smith anyway. So I can't be upset. I was never circling the bet. I always get I'm only really annoyed when it's a guy almost bet and didn't bet. And I just enjoyed it. I honestly was able to just enjoy it and appreciate it and kind of wish like in my head found all the strokes for Rory. You know, because he got caught in that BK melt on Thursday, and then there were some other ones, but whatever. Yeah, great. I don't know. Boring, but great. Tiger kind of saved it. Whatever. Let's uh, Rory second, and nice to see Willett played well. I, I don't. I don't know. Lowry got a bad number from his caddy, and it and it and it melted him. Siwoo Kim. <laughs> Was he point shaving yesterday? I don't mean to jump all over the board, but come on, man. He was protecting his heritage number. He did that. He did that. I don't know what happened. Did he break his putter and like I missed that scene? Because it looked like he was playing without one. I mean, maybe he just decided, you know what? It worked so well putting with the five wood last year. Maybe I can go back to that. Putting wasn't really his problem throughout the course of most of the week. It's just funny that uh, I think a lot of people back see Woo for the first time ever, whether it was in the betting market or whether it was on DraftKings, and we're having a meltdown after round one, like nine holes in. It's like, man, like you need to know what you're getting into when you back see Woo. It was Full experience because every round seemed to have this like, oh, baby, like forgetting winning circle. But if you made them in placings and like, oh, baby, there was a chance to take off and he gave it all back. And a lot of guys did. We saw a lot of guys give it back. So I, I don't know. The course, I was amazed at how hard it it played and not even from the trees. It wasn't like you were making your doubles from like having to 
you know, give up a stroke to play out sideways. A lot of the just typical masters, they got in the wrong positions and then everything went to shit. And to Scotty's credit, every time he made a mistake, and maybe it's Teddy Scott on the bag, every mistake he made was in the proverbial right spot where you could get it to inside 12, 10, 8 feet and give yourself a fair look at making those par putts. We sh- I, the part we should have seen coming, because this is what we saw at Arnold Palmer Invitational, too. Like He played flawless golf almost the entire time, smart golf, strategic golf, great course management. And every time that something went haywire, he took his medicine was like, if I have to get it up and down from 110 yards, I'm going to do that. I'm going to hit it to 10 feet, and I'm going to make my putt from 10 feet. And that's what he did all week this week until the very last hole where if people had wagered on the under winning score, I believe it was set at whatever the hell it was. And his three putt at the end dropped it as to hit the over instead of the under for winning scores. Maybe he was point shaven at the end. Who knows? And even yesterday morning, I was giving Rory Rory credit for his week because of how hard conditions played. And it shows you how off I was on how hard the course was going to play because you don't bet Rory McIlroy if the winning scores eight, nine, ten under. Like that's the dumbest bet you make. You can make. Golf has shown us that. You bet Rory McIlroy to win when you believe the winning score is going to be a party. So I missed it, like totally. And maybe that's part of just having to get picks out and doing the content uh, and getting excited and then not caring when things did seem like they could be tricky. But whatever. My bad. Yeah, there was there was a few guys who melt. I mean, Hatton had probably the strongest words I've ever heard for the course in his post round interview when he was just so frustrated that good shots weren't being rewarded. I had a great time. There was no better hilarious group because I always like to talk about like the runner group that they can show earlier on in the coverage to show you each of the pin placements, each of the holes, how everything's playing. We were gifted Tiger and Rom and Horschel and Hatton as groupings. That was just terrific. Yeah, the transitions from one to the other, it's something you didn't know you needed. I was getting worried. Like, they are going, they're going to get hat and barred for life. (laughs) Banned for life, as Pat Mayo would say, these cameras. Because he was getting caught. There were a lot of times. He uh, he said some things after the round, but even mid-round. He's like, I don't have to hit this shot all year. And I got to hit it here and I don't get rewarded. Like, he was just, and that's just like a random shot on a random hole. You know, as they were going back and forth. It was obviously part of the coverage. So he was having a tweaker. And then, uh, you know, Dave Tyndall, who I was planning on giving credit to later for the miraculous or that marvelous, I should say, Stuart Sink tip last year and noting all of Stuart Sink's post-major performances and how well he plays. Uh, he clipped. He went to see Hat made a, a triple, I think, on Saturday. So he's like, I got to watch it. And that's when Hatton like started using his club as like a gun, like taking people out. And I'm like, oh my God, they're going to ban him for life. I believe like it- he's losing his mind out here. Hey, maybe that's how he's processing the anger now, shooting his, well, his no club more like a gun. Up. Yeah. Um, and Stuart Sink's name is no longer Stuart Sink. As Tiger pointed out, his name is Kitchen, which Tiger, king of the oh, nicknames. Yeah. Who knew? Didn't realize that about Tiger. Yeah, Tiger's... Oh, Here's the thing. Tiger gets credit for being king of the nicknames because it's proven to have some gems, but 89% of them are like Tiger played hockey growing up, Pat. Oh, it's all like, like, they're all like just the, yeah. All of his nicknames are, are 
are the hockey nicknames that like we all yeah you know what i'm talking about yeah i'm sure if people aren't canadian and didn't grow up playing hockey they can try to imagine what those are but for anyone who knows i suppose you're gonna know anything you're adding to the list like i always try to make my master's notes so i don't forget for next year is cameron champ just an auto bet at the mat is he going to win a masters why is he good here and nowhere else well, he's great at Kapalua, which is a comp course. <laughs> I guess so. Is he great at Kapalua? Yeah, I think he is. Um, I don't have an answer, but the books aren't. I mean, if you the books aren't going to give you anything, so I don't know. Like, if that's something you want. Um, no, it, it played harder. I don't know if that'll be a consistent thing. I think that could have been. Augusta National just being like, watch what we can do. You know, we still got it. Uh, I think the changes, I think to on 11, they worked out perfectly. On 15, there are people upset at the, um, you know, the less, how few or zero Eagles. That could have been really just a product of the weather and not really having any days but Sunday where that was truly possible. Um, so maybe I'm willing to give them a mulligan. Uh, and I saw a lot of guys, if you were watching featured groups, Pat, on 15, like they created a really big no man's land on 15, where guys are really in some indecision. And I think that's what they wanted. So if that's what they wanted, then they, I guess they did did the right thing. But I think they're always happy when they get the this winning score um you know so they did it yeah i i would like to see the winning score somewhere between eight and 12 under every single year uh it just seems really crazy when there's only one guy that can get to that eight under number uh and he's just going to be the runaway winner and he had shots to spare coming into it too it was kind of funny uh it's almost good that he missed those putts i think i think he mentioned that too in his interview after the fact that you know just missing those putts kind of calmed me down a little bit for getting the green jacket going through the interview it did not help him try to put his left arm into the jacket and hideki tried to roll down his collar it was, it was, it was a fun scene towards the end um Cam Champ, if we're going to back some of these like lower end guys, because you see some of the names that pop up, should we just randomly try to target past champions and hope it's their year? Because obviously Charles isn't good every year, but he's been good enough years, like once every three years, that he's going to pay off if you just do it every time. Willett, as we just saw, is another one, although he just made every putt all week. That's how he ended up where he was. That these like mid-range past champions that are wildly out of form, I think Charles missed seven or six consecutive cuts coming in that maybe they just know the landscape so well. And we always recognize the course history plays such a factor at this course that maybe just blindly backing those guys for something, be it a top 10, a top 20, whatever it might be, could just be a strategy moving forward. Yeah, I guess that's always a thing. No secrets there. It's kind yeah, but to it, it. I mean, we say that you say that there's no secrets, but no one did it. Yeah, I don't know. They, I guess they have to establish themselves like some of the other guys of the past. Like they're always just going to lurk around. I don't really have an answer. I'd rather go to the well playing the ceiling of a Bobby Mack or a Cameron Champ, whose name I think you were trying to get out, who I think the course um, could equate quite nicely to over the years, so long as they still keep getting their invitations. Well, Cam, Cam Champ is going to be back 
next year. It was unfortunate. There was a huge group of guys who ended up T14 that will have to play themselves back into Augusta next year. And the two guys that took them out of the running for that were actually, I think it was Charles and Will. And if those two had dropped back one shot, that all of those guys would have gotten an invitation next year. That was like, like Harry Higgs. Um, Kevin Na, I think, was a part of that group. Who else was a part of that group? Uh, there was a bunch of them. There was like six guys that could have like got their invitation locked up right now that may or may not have got it in the future. But you said we're saying goodbye to a lot of players that either we saw this time or didn't see. Like it's going to be tough for Westwood to get back, for Poulter to get back, Jason Day. Like they're really going to have to do something special in order to get in. Basically, do what Padraig did last year and just have like this out of nowhere great major performance. And hopefully, that's good enough. Yeah. I don't know where they get it back. Um, it's hard to find St- the place. St. Andrews, if like the weather is up, all of a sudden that expands the range of player that can be near the top of the leaderboard, I think. Yeah. No doubt. And this one, man, it played hard from go. Even Thursday. Going back, we get the Canadian coverage here, and I was thinking it all morning, but every time they went to the coverage with Delette and you know, <laughs> that we get the conditions weren't that bad Thursday, and you always see a guy get on a runner Thursday morning, and it just didn't happen. It was a really weird, weird um, week, but I think it went almost according to perfectly planned for Augusta, minus the really cold temperatures on Saturday. Yeah. I would agree with that. I mean, I I don't want to see a Masters where every round is like Sunday, although the Sunday pin placements are far more scorable. Maybe that was the issue, especially on Saturday, is that it was terrible weather. It was freezing cold for them. Uh, When you see Morikawa out there with the neck warmer on when it's like 12 degrees Celsius, it's like, man, I would kill for it to be 12 degrees Celsius right now. I'd be wearing shorts outside if that was the case. But hey, these guys aren't from Canada. They're from California and somewhere in the South where they're used to the warmer conditions. But that seemed to have a big effect. Were you impressed with Morikawa this week? Because I feel like Rory saved Sunday. Tiger saved most of the week from it not being boring for at least the first two days. Rory really saved Sunday with the round that he had. And then just the cap off of Rory and Morikawa both making the shots out of the bunker for birdie on 18. It, it kind of, I don't want to say it saved the day, but it felt like a really big master's moment, although it actually meant nothing. It was a really big master's moment because it was just perfectly timed. The drama was essentially dead. Uh, and yeah, it was just a really, it was a beautiful moment. Maybe the nicest moment of the tournament that doesn't involve the winner or tiger, um, to be perfectly honest. Who do you think is the favorite for the PGA championship right now? John Rahm tied with Scotty Scheffler. It is John Rahm by himself at DraftKings Sportsbook at 11 to 1. Then it's Thomas, Scheffler, and Rory are all 12 to 1. And then Morikawa, DJ, and Bryson are 14 to 1. You got to really need your hit if you want to bet the next major the morning after near the top. That market will develop. It will develop, to be honest, a lot more significantly than the Masters market to look maybe something even like the players championship market because of how much bigger the field is and how history hasn't really finited um, who can win. Phil freaking won it last year. Still me think we're living in some Truman show bullshit. Phil is currently 
80 to 1 to win the PGA Championship. I've seen him as deep as 150 to 1 in other places. Although, if you bet on Phil right now, and it's a future bet, and Phil doesn't play, you don't get that money back. Not that I think people are betting on Phil, but do you think he's going to play? I was convinced. I'm shocked he didn't play the Masters. I really am. I'm shocked. Like, he didn't just, like, look around. Like, what he did was wrong. What he tried to do was wrong. What he said was freaking stupid. It was. There's a lot of good equity and some bad equity there with Phil. And you see that Deshaun Watson get, like, 300 fully guaranteed. Can you just be like, I'm going to go to the Masters, and they'll stop talking about it in a week. And I'm going to do it because it's good for me. And I love it there. And I've earned it. So now everything, I don't have a clue when it comes to Phil. Maybe he's still, maybe he's still working at a deal with this other tour. <laughs> with Gary Player. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, that's the thing. Gary's on the first. I don't know. Everyone seems. He really. He's paying a price that I don't know people are asking him to pay. I mean, uh, I, yes, he's lost his sponsors. And that is not fun. And it's been probably very embarrassing. But now he's like self-imposing some NCAA sanction on himself, which involved missing the Masters. I don't think this is on himself. I think that someone is telling him, someone told him to sit this one out because I don't think that he would do that. Or he just doesn't want to take the heat right now. And I do agree that this would have been a place where he could have been protected. And a Tiger came back. Would have been like, oh, oh yeah, Phil and your thing. Blah, 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 blah. And then Gary Player is wearing his collar, and everyone's like, okay, whatever. I yeah, well, don't know. Well, I mean, no one gives a shit about Gary Player. That's why. No, but I just mean, like, it's all just... Yeah, No, I agree, but I just mean... It's not like the Masters banned any golf Saudi anything. Or maybe Gary Player will get that strongly worded letter, like his son did for his ball uh, hawking at, at last year's masters again it just feels like he is paying a re a, a price maybe more than he needs to and i hope he's defending champion if he can't come back to the pga uh would make me sad for phil for phil also when do we see tiger again is it going to be the open at st andrews I'm not really sure. I mean, do you think, is there anything between, is he just going to try to play majors like nothing at all? I would, unless he's really feeling okay, then yeah. Like, I, I don't think that the, I don't think he wants to go out and take on the USGA conditions of the US Open. Even when he was on his run, he won the Masters in 2019. His lead up to that, when he was still playing pretty good golf, the US Open absolutely chewed him up almost every year so maybe he goes to the pga championship if you see how his body reacted to this i have no idea i mean southern hills doesn't sound like the flattest course on earth i could be completely wrong on that or they're just lying about their name that john denver is really full of shit is potentially what we could find out about southern hills but if it's a bit too hilly i, I think that the masters is one thing like you talked about the protection there i think that the open championship would give him that same thing and we know st andrew's not the most hilly place on earth no, and he said even yesterday it's his favorite golf course on earth. He's multiple-time champion. That is sort of his goal. That is the goal the morning after that he is setting 
for the season now. Uh, if that means having to overlook the PGA, well, I guess he'll see how he feels in a, in a week or 10 days to see if that's a mountain he wants to climb. I'm just, I don't know. I feel I was very right on Tiger last week. For everything else that I got wrong for the Masters, I feel like he was very right. I was very right that he would make the cut and there was go, and he would also be okay shooting a really bad number and do it with a smile. And that I don't know what he said on Tuesday, but I don't think he meant it one bit. Only he meant it one bit. I think that Saturday really got the best of him. Just I mean, Tiger, even before all this and his like third comeback, anytime the conditions got below a certain temperature, he just wasn't going to play well. And that's exactly what happened. Although all like the three putts and four putts were just something you don't see from Tiger. So part of it, people were acting like Pat that he won even the Zozo, like, cause he won the Zozo before he won the masters, but people were acting like he won that 2019 masters in some kind of similar circumstance. No, that he wasn't back on tour for like a year and a half that had lows to start and brought questions of what could be possible. People acted like it was the same thing. That that's was the weirdest part about last week for me from a lot of intelligent uh, golf fans. And I don't know, never mind. Like I took so much heat for saying uh, whatever. Some some frisky Europeans might dare finish better than him. Well, it, uh, the, the biggest thing is that you, you, you claim like you kind of wanted to pick on Tiger at this plus money. The problem was that none of that plus money ever emerged. None of it. It was it was Tiger. Even the only like he was a plus one seventy five underdog to Patrick Reed. Yeah, no, the the books did not. Cor- I was just saying. All I was if they if they dare correlate outrights, and he was fifty. So I was like, if they give me the eighties at anything close to Pickums, I will just play them. And I highlighted Sergio and Fleetwood. But what they ended up doing was they took the eighty in Patrick Reed and said, no, you got to lay minus one eighty. No, no, like that was a Tiger or nothing bet, and people tweeted me about it because. They saw last week's show, and I said, that's Tiger or nothing. Like, I wasn't talking about um, that aspect. But I think he came into the week, think like, I don't know, the way he was after, I think we can get to a different place. I, I was convinced that now we're into Thursday, he'll win again on the PGA Tour if he wants to play, like, nine or ten events a year. And maybe- that includes majors. He'll win like one of those other events. But if he actually wants to take the major seriously, he's got to find a way to play before them somewhere, somehow. Even Phil playing the senior events gave so much credit to how much that helped him win a goddamn major championship. So I do believe he can win again on tour. I believe there's... We saw it. Like we saw the switch. Oh, I've no I'm convinced he can win a tour event. A major, pretty much gonna say little to no chance, in if, my opinion. He, I mean he needs to pick and choose his course. He almost needs to take the Kevin Kisner approach. And frankly, the, the courses where Kevin Kisner plays well are probably the courses where Tiger Woods is currently going to play well. Like this week would have been an awesome week to see Tiger. I think he would win it. I don't think he would win like this week at Heritage, but I think this is a tournament where and a course in a venue that he can still have success at, even at age like 50. If the Heritage wanted to be next year, like three, 
set itself up to be a Tiger tune up event for a major championship, it would, I, I assume he would go out. He talks about playing a limited schedule in the future. I don't think that's just going to be majors. Uh, I don't know whether WGCs would be allowed to make an exception if they, I mean, they can make their own rules, so they could. And I mean, he's won so many, they could create an exception. If you've won X amount of WGCs, <laughs> you're automatically invited to any of them. Good luck catching that number to any of you else. Um, but I do think there are a handful of spots that can work perfectly for him. And I'm not talking about like the swing, the oppo field events. Yeah, he's you not. Know, yeah, Ti- be- Tiger's not playing in, at the Corrales Putacana, or yeah, he's not playing Puerto like, Rico. But I'm thinking like Sony, Honda, Heritage, Sedgefield. Colonial, Sedgefield, those events. Yeah, exactly, exactly. He can he can win. Um, he can win again, and it was great to see. And I think in many ways it goes down as his sixth greatest Masters <laughs> achievement. You know, better than a second place in some regard. Did you think that it may have been over for Scheffler on 18 on, was it Saturday night, when he just shanked it into the woods, they couldn't find the ball right away? I can't believe he escaped that with just a bogey. That was incredible. But I will throw okay. the, I will throw this out here, and here's one rule of golf I really don't like, and I know that golf people are going to get really upset with me about it. When you're taking a drop and you get two club lengths, whatever club you use to take those lengths, I think has to be the club you use to hit the ball. I think that's only fair. You can't just use your driver for everything. That's not fair. I don't know. They've got a fix. If you hit the ball in the fairway, you shouldn't have a penalty of being in a hole. That that gets me worse than anything. Did I think he was the bogey Scheffler made on 18 and the par Cam Smith made on 18 on Saturday were both all world, all world. Scheffler's bogey feels like a par or a birdie and Cam Smith's par had to feel like a birdie because he hit the trees, went like 60 yards backwards and went like 258 to behind the green. And he was in the Justin Thomas spot on Saturday that derailed his real hottie and he got it to like two feet. Scheffler, yeah, that could have been, that could have been weird because that was incredible because he even with that great bogey save, he woke up apparently Sunday morning thinking he wasn't worthy or capable. Well, we all suffer from some sort of imposter syndrome and some of the best people in the world are propelled by that. That's why they continue to achieve because they don't feel like they deserve what they have coming and they need to continuously prove over and over that they need to be winners. I don't, I'm not knocking win. anything, but it must be like, is it easier like whatever good or bad happens, I'm not in control of it. Like it's God. It must be a night, like a very easy place to be. Uh, I mean, I don't really know. I, it's not something I really subscribe to, but yeah, maybe, maybe that's why people do it. Maybe that's why all the athletes are so all in on God. Just, you know, out of my control, let the big man take care of it. <laughs> what else do we got? Is that it for the masters? Do you, do you want to move on? Was there anyone else who like sneakily impressed you? Min Woo Lee, maybe thing is that was that was nice um no i don't i don't know i mean that was no i I think the coverage was also really bad and how and how delayed some of the information was and then they're so good at spoiling things and i'm not even 
the, the Faldo spoiling Rory making the bogey was um, birdie. Sorry, making the birdie on 18. That was like very. That's what's garden a lot of attention. But that happened all week. And that bothers me a ton. That's all. I thought the coverage was pretty good. I saw people in Canada complaining there was very little Corey Connors content on Sunday. But when you're not in contention to win and you're an absolute nobody, they're probably not going to put you on the broadcast. Trust me, I bet on enough guys that I really like that they don't show on the broadcast because they're just, unless they're in the lead or a shot off the lead, you're just never going to see them because they want to show Justin Thomas. I mean, we barely got a lot of Zalatoris until he started making a bit of a run. He's a way bigger name than Corey Connors. The weirdest thing about it, and I guess they just have so many like interlude things they want to show, like just Scheffler and Cam on the green for 40 seconds with no one talking. I mean, like a putting green and them walking. But it's more so my complaint of they'll show you highlights, Pat, and the guy's like two holes ahead now. Yeah. Of the but, highlight but, that but they're, you know what? they're I don't care when it's set up like it is with the coverage that they have, whether it be through the Masters app, whether it be what we get up here in Canada through TSN and just kind of scraping those feeds and showing them on TV, or just simply going to the app and seeing the shot 30 seconds after it actually happens, almost in real time of any player that you want. You can set up the My Groupings on that tab on the Masters, and it shows you, you can get all of that. The broadcast that they are showing you is the main feed. It's not for us. It really isn't. And my dad doesn't fucking know the difference. So you're right. You're right. But this is literally, this is the problem though. This is the problem in a nutshell. Rory on 10 yesterday. He has already chipped it in on 10. So what they have to do now on CBS is they show us Rory's long approach. And then they don't want to make it like they're so far behind. So they do a couple minutes of other things and then four minutes later, they show us the chip. But the first shot they show, he's already chipped in. You sort of, but now they have to set it up because that's what TV does. So they have to spend eight minutes essentially setting up something that already happened. Um, and that's all. It's something I noticed. And you're right. It's not for us. It is for our dads who don't give a shit about any of that. Um, they're not seeing on the app that Rory birdied 10. They're just seeing on the Chiron on the TV all they need to know and care about because they don't give a shit about anyone in 14th place in a lineup or 37th place. Ad break. Let me tell you a little bit about movement. That's MVMT if you're going to go searching for it. But my wife and I were shocked when we got our movement item. She got to watch that. It's like a $500 watch. Did not cost $500, but looks immaculate. I got myself a nice pair of sunglasses with the summer months coming up, even the end of spring. It starts getting sunny out. I don't like too much brightness when I'm driving, playing golf, whatever, and they are super sharp. Could not be happier with my experience at MVMT. Again, that's called movement when you say it all out. And movement watches have the look and quality of a $400 to $500 watch you're going to pay for at a department store, but cost a fraction of the price because they were built online and own the process from start to finish. So the movement company is doing great work cutting up the middleman and helping you get a better price for high quality items. So I want you guys to get in on this too. Not only do they have cheaper prices, I got you a discount. So if you want to elevate your look with style that doesn't break the bank, then join the MVMT and get 
15% off today with free shipping and free returns by going to mvmt.com slash mayo. Again, that's mvmt.com slash mayo. Did you know that browsing online using incognito mode doesn't actually protect your privacy? That's right. Without the added security, you may as well give away all your private data to hackers, advertisers, or your ISP and other prying eyes. That's why I use IPVanish VPN to make it easy to stay truly private and secure on the internet. IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet by encrypting 100% of your data. This means that your private details, passwords, communications, browsing history, and more will be completely shielded from falling into the wrong hands. Even your physical location will be hidden. IPVanish makes you virtually invisible online. It's that simple. You can go use IPVanish on unlimited devices without sacrificing speed. Your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like Fire Stick. When you're streaming media, whether I'm at home or in public, I don't go online anymore without using IPVanish. IPVanish is offering an incredible 70% off their yearly plan for our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's like getting nine months for free. IPVanish is super easy to use. All you got to do is tap one button and you're instantly protected. You won't even know what's on. Stop sharing with the world everything you stream, everything you search for, and everything you buy. Take back your privacy today with the brand rated 4.6 out of 5 on Trustpilot. So go to ipvanish.com slash mayo and use promo code mayo and claim your 70% savings. That's ipvanish.com slash mayo. Our next partner is a product I use literally every day. I started taking Athletic Greens because I needed something in the morning that was filling, good for me, low in calories, and really kept my bloating, you know, because I go on camera all the time, under wraps. And I started having bad gut health after I stopped using it, so I was like, I need to start taking my Athletic Greens again. Then, boom, all of a sudden, started feeling a whole lot better. So what is it? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and aptogens to help start your day right. Athletic Greens supports better sleep quality and recovery and supports mental clarity and alertness. And it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you got to do is visit athleticgreens.com mayo. Again, that's athleticgreens.com mayo to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, let's move on to the RBC Heritage. My favorite tournament of the year, Jeff. It only took us 42 minutes to get here. Harbortown, golf links on Hilton Head Island in South Carolina where Stuart Sink ran away with it last year. Par 71, 7,100 yards. Pete Dye course. Obviously, the prize pool is a lot less than it was a week ago at Augusta National. Still... It's a very good field. We saw this coming out of COVID, where this was the second tournament out of the COVID hiatus, and like every big player in the world ended up playing those first few events. One was at Colonial, which is actually a comp course to this one. And it was funny that you had the three in a row. You had Colonial, 
Heritage, and then Traveler. So two Pete Dye courses, two short courses. It was really interesting to have similar style courses coming out of that back-to-back-to-back weeks. Normally, you don't see that. Uh, And now, last year, it went back to normal. Like, Morikawa played, Dustin played, all the Team RBC guys are definitely going to play every single year, whether it be, I don't, is Webb an RBC guy or is he just like this course? Because DJ most definitely is. No, Webb is an RBC guy. And I feel like RBC made a big ad in the last uh, year, but I'm drawing a blank on it. Nonetheless. I, I suppose I could look up Team RBC. It's it's all the Canadian players. They're all Team Royal Bank of Canada. But you got DJ, you got Webb. I think Cooch is Team RBC as well. It's led by Dustin. Long- yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Team RBC runs deep. Snedeker? Snedeker, Kucher, Graham McDowell. Harold Varner III is actually on Team RBC now. Do you want to... Yeah. There's t- there's Harold Varner III, uh, like, RBC posters at my club as they're getting set for next year's Canadian Open. I found that funny. That's, like, he's poster guy. <laughs> well, I mean, let's get into the favorites. This field's really good. After sort of a down year, I'd say it's probably the best... I mean, I don't remember, like, way back in the day, but it's probably the best non... COVID influence field there's ever been at this tournament. Justin Thomas is the favorite at DraftKingsSportsbook.com. 9-1, to Morikawa is 12-1, to Cantley's 14, Cam Smith coming off his runner-up. Was he runner-up or was he third? Either way, he's 16-1. to Daniel Berger is 18, Shane Lowry is 18, Matt Fitzpatrick is 18, Dustin Johnson is 18, Russell Henley 22-1, to Corey Connors 25-1, to and Z- no, I'm, looking, I'm still looking at the PGA Championship. Is that everyone that's below? Yeah, that's it. That's your entire crew. Those 10 guys are all below 30 to 1. The weird thing is, is you can grab some of these other guys at other spots at way better odds. For example, I bet Daniel Berger at 30 to 1 at other places. Multiple other places have that number available too. Yeah, really um, weird one. I just was taken aback at how strong the field was. I wish a lot of these guys didn't want to play. I'd have made a lot more bets, but now it's just this purgatory of... I don't know. A lot of these top players look pretty good. And Heritage, Pat, it's gotten the Kadira, it's gotten the the Pan, and it's gotten last year's Sink. But it's also known for feeding the top as well. Webb was 20 to 1. Furick Kucher used to bring this sucker down at like 16 to 1 with regularity. So it's one of those outside of the Wesley Bryant one, which was probably 50 to 70, which I hit. I, and I don't remember how much I won. I just remember he went to Taco Bell after, which I thought was super cool. It's kind of just been the top or the back. Uh, no, because we had Grace here as well the week after. Oh, the- yeah, 40. Yeah, that was a 40. That was a great little double, ba- double, double barrel. Yeah, so the past, I mean, Rick tweeted this out earlier. Sink was 100, Webb was 20, although I'm pretty sure we bet that at 28 because he missed the cut at Colonial the week before. That was a Tim Anderson burning gif. Yes, yes, it was. And that was a four-way tie going into Sunday. It was like him, Hatton, Answer, and Neiman, I want to say, and Sergio ended up coming in fifth. Sergio had a great tee to green week that week and just could not make any putts. Pan, 125, Kadira, 250, Wes Bryant, 60, Grace, 40, Furick, 20, Kucher, 15, GMAC, 30 to 1. So, I mean, Berger at 30 just seems like a really good value to me. At 28, it's a good value. At 25, it's a good value. Like, when you go back and look at where Daniel Berger has done his best work in his career, it's 
shorter courses. I know this is a par 71, but it's like par 70s, par 71s for him. I did sort of the correlation on courses on Fantasy National, and I did this in the research show, of courses below 7,200 yards. Who's the best player? It's Daniel Berger. He came third here that year that Webb Simpson ended up winning. We're back on Bermuda. Uh, that should only be beneficial to him. And you know, he had a bad week last week, but you know it was a good week until everything went south. So I, I'm not too concerned about guys that played in the Masters. Frankly, what is it? C.T. Pan and Wes Bryant were the only two players that didn't play the week previous in the past 10 years or something crazy like that. Obviously, Webb Simpson didn't, but it wasn't held the week after the Masters that year. So that's kind of irrelevant to that conversation. So I'm not worried about guys being burned out. I'm not worried about guys missing the cut last week. But generally, if you just look at guys who played in Augusta, that's usually pretty good. I agree with everything you said uh, about Berger. He's on a nice little run. I'm not surprised to see him rating out as well. And 30 just screams like such a such a lovely, fair number. Especially, um, especially when you're looking at 18 at other places. Yeah, when you're looking at 18. But, I mean, I don't want to bring this conversation, like, back around to this. But, like, I'm sure there are people, Pat, who, you know, would have bet Dustin Johnson uh, last week at 16 or 18 to one and might feel like they should just go back at Dustin Johnson at 16 or 18 to one in an event like this. The other thing about those past winners, they all seem to have this similar game, like a very like Webb, Kuchar, Furyk, even the other guys, uh, the longer shots on that list. Dustin Johnson doesn't. That doesn't mean he can't. We've seen Bryson like come to the Second place here, I think it's always been a nice Bryson course. And I'm always long way winded way of me saying kind of waiting for one of these just real monsters to overpower this course because it seems very capable for them. It does. But Dustin's played this. I mean, he's playing on the sponsor. Obviously, that's why he shows up every year. But he's now played it each of the past four years. He was two shots up on CT Pan the year that Pan won. And he ended up coming like 17th or something. But 13th, 17th, 28th, 16th. He's been good. But it seems like he doesn't try for half the rounds while he's here. It's just really weird to see. And Jason Day used to play this every single year, even when Jason Day was really good. And he didn't end up winning. Uh, it's, I mean, I have my two bets in and I bet Berger. I'm trying to go with the similar type of guy and that is great can get really hot with the irons and who can make a ton of putts those are the, those are the only two things i care about this week and the guys we rattled off as guys who have won this event that's what they do yeah you bet kevin kisner you're part of that party oh yeah i bet it at 66 to 1 this morning yeah i took a pass on i guess i regret it now because the number the i number did bet kevin Na back there instead I, I i those were the first two clicks that i made this week kevin Na and kevin kisner because i mean yo kevin Na let all players in approach at the masters yeah i bet kevin Nah, he looked till he got really disinterested it seemed near the uh end of his saturday round he uh seemed like he had quite the time so if we're going to go with anyone else from the top, obviously Cam Smith is kind of perfect for this course, irons and putting. If Morikawa putts, I mean, Morikawa was the one who was played in the final group with Sink last year before coming in ninth, and you know how much I love betting Morikawa. I think the best number that I've found him at is 15 to 1. Maybe there's 16? Nah, there's no 16. 15 is the best number I can find on him. Give that some thought. 
Uh, Cantlay's Anderkers this week, so we can probably cross him off. Lowry and Fitzpatrick, though. I mean, even yeah. I mean, DraftKings Sportsbook has some sort of thing with Russell Henley where they refuse to be taken by Russell Henley ever. It's like they actively do not want any action on him. He's twenty-two to one. Webb Simpson is thirty-five to one. Hatton is thirty-five to one. Billy Horschel is thirty-five to one. Russell Henley is twenty-two to one. That's a weird one. I don't mind uh, Fitzpatrick, and I'm thinking about Fitzpatrick and Lowry, and I guess maybe you could throw Connors into that conversation, but Fitzpatrick seems to be the one. Uh, I've seen it as high as 25, Pat. That could be the the uh, bet in front of 30 that I am tempted to make. Yeah, Fitzpatrick and Lowry both 25 at that same spot that we were both looking at. Uh, they still have Abraham Answer on the board, though. Answer withdrew, right? Yeah, he withdrew, and I I got my my ears were up early because I saw him listed on some books, not others. There was no word on an official withdrawal. I would have bet him at fifty to one this week. I'm telling you that right now. But clearly something's up because he's withdrawing the two border events of the Masters, one of which was his hometown event, um, and this is is what it is. But an event that I think he's finished second at before, Pat, and a course that just screams Abraham answer 50 to one. I'd have made that bet out of the gate this morning. If he was, if he didn't withdraw, let's go to the middle tier. Uh, because frankly, talking about the Justin Thomas's and Patrick Cantlay's of the world is just not all that interesting. Cause I don't think that we're going to be backing them at a course like this, which you, you know, if they go out and beat you, it's like Scheffler last week, then you eat your losses and move on to next week. So Hatton, a lot of that's been happening. Yeah. Simpson, Hatton, Horschel, Neiman, Sungjae, Spieth, Norrin McNeely, Fleetwood, Kokrak are the next 10 up on the betting board from 35 to 55. And even after that, as we go back down a little bit farther, uh, we, you know, Kevin Na is 70, Kirk, Merritt, Kuchar, C, woo, Kim, 65, Hadwin, who the stat model loves this week, likes him more than, right? I, I don't understand how they can price Henley where they have Henley price, but not have Hadwin up there as well because Hadwin rates out just as good as Russell Henley does by the numbers in the short term. Norrin, Varner, Cam Young, Kevin Na, you got Luke List up in this range as well. Like, if you want to build an entire card of the guys from 35 through 70, I can see that making a ton of sense. DraftKings Sportsbook is still hanging the 70 on Kevin Kisner at the moment, too. Let's see. Now, now it's been beaten down to, in the past 20 minutes, it's been beaten down to 55 to 1. That's going to be the popular bet this week, right? Yeah, you didn't update it in a while. It was fifty-five to one uh, before I showered like an hour ago. All right, well, I, was just, um, I, was I know just, I showered. I was, trying, I, was to provide, I, was trying, shower. I was trying to provide some cover here. You're just fucking throwing Paul under the bus. Oh, yeah. Thanks, Jeff. Sorry, I didn't. Yeah, yeah just quick wait, cover. Wait, we wait, recorded wait, early. Yeah, wait, wait to be no an asshole. Way to be an asshole. <laughs> Maybe you should do I the didn't... graphics next time. Nope. No, Paul does like literally a 10 out of 10 job. Well, apparently not according to you. It's a sky at 70 to one. Who gives a crap? It's just, it is what it is. He's 55 to one now. Um, so starting near the top of that list, Pat, Neiman at 35 to one, something that, that piqued my interest uh, quickly. And it could be a guy that, um, if you include the burgers, I could build this whole card at like from 30 to 70 because that you just that that list you reeled off. There are a lot of names that just uh, speak, speak to my heart at a field like this. Neiman, certainly one of them, 35 to one. I already mentioned, unfortunately, the answer withdraw. Um, I'm in on Kevin. Nah. 
This is a Siwoo Kim might just have to have like some. I might I will have to be exposed to Siwoo Kim on some level this week, even though I custom out pretty hard having a having a getting some air yesterday <laughs> at about like 245. Oh, no, that's when the leaders teed off whenever I was getting that air and he was on his gorilla bogey run. I couldn't contain my my anger because it cost me a lot, to be honest. The two, um, the, the two that I was looking, at, I'm with you on Neiman and Hatton and Webb. Like you can make a very compelling case for all of those guys, and I think it makes a lot of sense. The two that really stuck out to me were Im and Horschel. I don't understand why Billy Ho is getting beat down like this. Like, isn't this the type of course where Billy Ho would actually win? Is Im still forty on DraftKings? He is on DraftKings at the moment. Where are you at, Billy Ho? He's thirty-five on DraftKings. I am staring a fifty in the face, though. It's a good number. Are you looking that up on 50 your... 50 on him? No, 50, 50 on Horschel. Oh, yeah, I, I might have seen that. Um, yeah, that seemed effective. Other than he's a guy that I don't bet really ever. Uh, and sometimes it can burn me. Put on quite a show yesterday for our television viewing. For Yeah, anything 40 to 50 to 1 in this field seems like a nice... A nice fair number for for Billy Horschel. I think I went through it on the. I think I did the filtering, but you can do it on Fantasy National, fantasynational.com/mayo to get that twenty percent off of like all the courses that I consider comp courses to this. So it'd be RSM, Sony, Wyndham, Colonial, like those four. You can add in Honda. You can add in the players. The reason I don't like throwing those courses into that mix is because the data can be like really not sticky from it because two bad approach shots at sawgrass and all of a sudden like you don't pop up near the top of anything anymore because you were minus eight for one round in terms of approach i'd rather just throw that out and look at ones that are a bit more stable year to year and like horschel does really well on those kisner weirdly like the stats wouldn't rate out kisner as being really good this week but when you go back and look at where he's played well this year it's all the places where you would just expect kisner to play well sony the players, the match play. Did really well at the Masters, obviously, but this is another tournament where he has played really well over the year. Lost in the playoff to Furyk. He has another two top 11 finishes. He has some bad performances as well, but I was encouraged with what I saw at Augusta, weirdly enough. I thought his irons looked much better than they had basically any time that wasn't the match play so far this year. Yeah, all very um, good points, and I like you pointing out that I think that's important when wanting to make an outright bet on a guy who maybe hasn't played the best, but the courses that he plays well at, he's played well at this year, uh, as important as anything. Kisner, he was snickering at the weather because he knew, and I think even on the Tiger coverage, because he got that feature coverage Saturday, they mentioned that like seven times, that you know the, the bad weather, it can be an equalizer for Kisner. I don't know if you noticed, Pat, but when Kisner found out he was paired with Tiger on Friday, he must have ran to a seamstress in Augusta because it looked like he had nine new logos on for his featured group pairing on Saturday. You know, Kisner would be trying to cash in. There's one thing that dude loves. It's the Mondays. Yeah, so smart. Well played. Well played. I guarantee you his agent got him two and a half new sponsors on Friday night, and it makes total sense. Total um. A guy we would have talked about or last year is in the notes, Pat. He's in the notes. Maverick McNeely. 
short, the pebble thing. Does that mean we should like Tom Hoagie? I don't know if there's an actual pebble correlation. We just made one with Maverick McNeely last year. So uh, that's kind of got brought Hoagie to my mind. But Mav McNeely, 50, 55 to 1. I think I'm seeing it as a 55 might be the highest I'm seeing it. But this is a bet we would have probably been happy with the number a few weeks ago. Yeah, I can see a 60 at the moment. If you click on an enhanced win tab, uh, it gets rid of the each ways. But if you want the outright winner, you're doing pretty well there. And his ball striking has been great. The past two outings that he's had, the putter just really hasn't caught up. I guess I'm not counting the match play as a part of that, where he was the last man in the played field. Played well. He played okay. He absolutely ran train day one, but didn't advance out of his group stage. But either way, 35th at Valero, but gained four strokes off the tee, over four on approach, 46th the players. Stroke and a half off the tee, almost four on approach there. The dude just couldn't chip. He couldn't putt at Valero. So I I do like him. Any course that has really small greens, I tend to like Maverick McNeely. I think that Tom Hoagie would fit into that mix too. I was just looking at the stats for the past 50 rounds. Uh, All the key stats that I kind of plugged into the system here. Hoagie rates out number six in this field. Shane Lowry is actually number one, by the way. Wow. Okay, yeah, Hoagie... uh... Got to maybe shop to find as big a hoagie number as possible if I'm on that. Um, uh, I'm seeing, I mean, if you want to do an enhanced win, not take any each ways, 90 is the number I'm seeing right now. Okay, so a couple weeks ago, Chris Kirk was like mega chalk. And, I mean, he didn't win the tournament. That's hard to do. I don't know how happy DraftKings players were. He did fine, I, I recall. I think he finished five under or or he was fine but now like no buzz it's sort of an identical course that not an identical course but a course that should also be favorable to chris kirk yeah that monday chris kirk wagon that we saw a few weeks ago your thoughts you're right that there isn't the same sort of wagon that's now the kisner wagon that we're seeing this week but there's a massive difference between the quality of this field and the quality of field we saw at valero yes great out of the gate point um also then can i throw it at you a couple weeks ago i don't remember the events i don't think it was the players if it was that'd be alarming but there was a lot of alex norin love that was um, valspar so that was also val that was that was, that, valspar. was that was valspar he came in 12th that week um i guess this is again just to the field strength right like that's why we don't maybe aren't yeah, because I don't think he did anything to change. If you said finished 12, so well, why should any of that hype go away? Well, the hype goes away because you see how he ended up getting to the 12th, and you can spin it as a positive or a negative, that he wasn't just going to gain five strokes on approach every single event and continue continued to gain off the tee. The chipping was great, and he gained 5.2 strokes putting, and that's what propelled him to the 12th place finish. Now, he had been putting okay coming in nothing crazy like that he had the big spike in phoenix but it was the ball striking that had been really good for alex norin then that went away but he was able to compensate like you want that sometimes it was the old sung move where he was always good at all four facets of gaining strokes it's just he was never good at all four of them in the same week but he was able to utilize one to make up for a deficiency in another that's what we're seeing out of alex norin at the moment so yeah i'm not totally against that uh, of that middle tier like Hadwin, McNeely, and Norin really do stick out, but then we have other guys who either play well at Pete Dye courses or short courses, or this course in particular. I'm kind of talking about Jason Kokrak at 55 to 1. Yeah, a, a, um, 
a great week for Kokrak last week at the Masters, where I think he was he he was quite underowned, right? Yeah, no one, no one, everyone took that. The move, what well, I guess I don't know how it worked out in the optimals because you probably needed like Scheffler, Cameron Champ, Charles Schwartzel, just that people like that that build no one was getting to. But everyone wanted to use that low seven thousand dollar range on DraftKings, myself included. That was like List, Cam Young, Siwoo, and Bobby Mack. Those four guys were all seven seventy one hundred and seven thousand dollars. Then there was that range from like seventy two to seventy seven that had Bubba and Patrick Reed. And Westwood, I think he was a part of that mix. Uh, and that's where Kokrak fell as well. And everyone from that range was like 4% owned. <laughs> and they all, I think, made the cut and played well. Um, I hadn't really thought about Kokrak, but I did see that he had those two nice weekend rounds upon making the cut. So I can, I'll circle back. Uh, I'll circle back to that one. Yeah, he was. He, he's a part of that group. Kokrak, Fleetwood, Gooch, Westwood, Higgs, Minwoo Lee, and Kevin Na were all a part of the T14 group that probably needed the top 12 in order to ensure their invitation. Now they actually have to go do something. Like, Matsuyama's fine, obviously. He's in for life. And then Fitzpatrick is going to be inside the top 50 of the world rankings this time next year, presumably, uh, with the way that he's playing and where he currently sits. The other guys are all kind of on the fence. And DraftKings might have the strongest Fleetwood number on the market. I think it's a 55. 55 to 1 is correct. Yeah, so I'm seeing as low as 40. He's been playing very, you know, very typical, I guess. Uh, he, he sure. Tommy, let down. He, of, he was a very popular first-round leader. Not, af- not afraid of a, a nice birdie streak once he's absolutely out of contention. He's like, he's like the minor league Rory. No, but as we joked or I joked with you during the Friday cut sweat because these two things happen simultaneously or within the period and I needed both of them not to happen. Fleetwood made a triple on Saturday that just derailed everything. Uh, I would probably rather that than even though I'm betting Berger, Berger just decided to bogey three holes in a row. Like, you know, like I could look at it and be like Fleetwood just got got in that one situation the other guy rode the train and the way it was just negative points for me in a big way. Last one I want to mention because he rated out so well. Uh, he's actually a hundred to one on DraftKings Sportsbook. Elsewhere, it's probably by far the best number on the market. I'm seeing like 60, 66, 75 at other Whoa. places. Brian Harmon. Okay. This is a perfect Brian Harmon course. Get hot with your irons, get hot with your putter. It's not too long. Driving means relatively little. And when I went and did the Pete Dye filter, no one better on Pete Dye courses than old Brian Harmon, number one in strokes gain total. Yeah, so again, he's another guy. I want to say, was, would it have been out of the players? He would have been super chalky that week. Was he chalky at the players? Yes, I believe that no, he was. No, the week out of the players. Or maybe it was the players, but he played great, I think, at the players. He did play really well at the players. Let's see. He was, now he was 6.2% on DraftKings mm. at the players. He was 7.5% at Valspar and 74 last week. So I'm clearly missing something, but that makes uh, everything you said there align, aligns. And now my perception is going to say, that sounds a lot like a player like Russell Knox. He played great at the players and had a really strong, um, strong week in Texas as well, where he was out front for quite a bit of it on a get hot with the putter 
second shot golf course. Or it seems like he's putting decent. Knox? I mean, you bring up Knox every week. How's that doing? How's that going for you? It's not, but he's been cashing like other ways, and he's been a, a nice little uh, he's, he's, DFS. He, he's been cashing. I mean, we're doing a betting show here. You can't even play DFS, and I know you don't bet top 20s. What are we talking about? I like, I'm just saying, he fit, <laughs> he's the same player as Brian Harmon. No, no, he's absolutely not the same player as Brian Harmon. Okay. Russell Knox is going to hit. Russell Knox's ball striking is going to be very. consistent. Ce- Brian Harmon's ceiling is higher, but they're the same little guy who does the same things. No, Harmon's a better Har- putter. Harmon Harmon putts. Knox yeah. doesn't. That's that's a massive difference. No, I understand that, but this is the type of short little course that works well for Knox, and he's playing in good form. That's a better argument than say that he's like Brian Harmon. Brian Harmon is a significantly better putter. But they do a lot of the same shtick. Knox doesn't have the luck that Brian Harmon has. And maybe Harmon creates that for himself. I don't know. But, yeah, he can get really hot with the irons. And in those weeks, it's a lot like Troy Merritt. I would say that Harmon and Troy Merritt are very similar players. Okay, that's probably more fair. And I was crazy. Uh, Charles Howell on a statistical heater at the moment, Patrick. Yeah, he's, but- he's not doing poorly anymore. So that's always nice to see. Um, I don't really have anything to offer in front of a hundred, but there are a few guys sitting where some hundreds are available that I could talk about. Okay. If you can get the 100 at DraftKings Sportsbook on Brian Harmon, I would like that number. I'm still searching for that number that is available to me. That's hard. Well, that's a great number because it's as low as 50. Yeah. Like it's a really good number. Uh, above a hundred to one, obviously you got the Gim Reaper. That's more than likely a good bet. There's a guy who's like Russell Knock. He does the same stuff as Russell Knox. He hits a ton of fairways. He's really good with his irons. Can't putt, can't chip. And you hope this is the week that he can do that. I guess. That's probably more adequate. Or maybe, yeah, or maybe even comparing like Knox to Varner. Uh, you know, they'll get it to six feet, but he might not make the putt. So don't be upset. Varner's interesting this week. He was second here. Was it last year? The year? No, it was last year. He was second place. Him and Grio were both there. Probably wouldn't go with Grio, but Varner's odds have been kind of cut to nothing. Who is it that you like from beyond 100 to 1? Okay, well, I am seeing, um, well, more so a question on 100 to 1 because another guy who's just been really popular, uh, Cam Young, seeing 100 to 1s available. I think I would go with the shorter, like, I see Merritt at 120 to 1. I think I'd have more interest in that. Okay, um, any love for, like, Fratelli having been in some nice forms because i see some 90s 100s on him i can see it yeah probably not where i'm gonna go with this but we've seen enough bombs win at the course over there the two statistically that did really well for me obviously lahiri is playing some good golf right now that could be a potential route that you go on but nasty nate lashley keeps popping up everywhere snediger former winner here keeps popping up everywhere and who was the other guy henrik norlander at valero when i went back and looked at valero stats was like striking the shit out of the ball couldn't make any putts (coughs) 
Maybe this yeah, could I saw be a... people live betting Norlander because he was striking the shit out of it at 101, but he obviously couldn't get anything going. And the other one for me, I mean, Nick Watney continue, Nick Watney and Luke Donald continue to pop up for me. I'm not betting either of those two jabronis, but I might just get sucked back into my guy, Higo, who was a very impressive, even after day one at the Masters, that I think was nine over over his next nine holes to open Friday. So that was not good, but he's up there. As, he's 250 to one. Yeah, yeah. Okay, these are, I'm not just naming names because all of them somewhat are attractive. Um, Aaron Wise, I'm seeing a parade of 100 to ones. I see that as well. Dude can't putt anymore. Davis Riley, he's just kind of popped a few times this year, north of 100. I don't know if this is the course, though. Very specific, I think, maybe in the type of player. Well, I don't I'd rather I, I agree with you that I do think there's a certain type of course and a certain type like of like the event. Lahiri type, right? Like yeah, but, but I but I don't know what the course is. Like I feel like it could be any course. It's just he's good once every five weeks. And this can get giggled away, but I can't not ask about him anymore. Because I stopped or maybe I should stop asking. He can contend because that's what he's been doing. But Bo Hostler. Showed an ability to really unnerve when things mattered at Valero, though. Hitting a, a Feinberg bunker shot. Yeah. Uh, I just, I mean, listen, I bet Kevin Kisner and Kevin Kisner's doing it. I mean, the approach can get really bad for Hossler. It generally does not for Kisner. But if you need, like Hossler in three of his past four starts has gained Basically, he's averaging six strokes gained. And at the players, he lost a stroke and a half and ended up missing the cut. He's not cashing in on these weeks when he has these spike putting performances. And that really worries me because there's only so many times that you can gain 10 strokes on the field chipping and putting and still coming forth. Like, you should be winning those events if that happens. Okay. And we can get out of here because we went long. But I got to ask you because I made a mistake. Knox to Harmon, not fair, stupid. Shame on me. But Denny Car Denny McCarthy to Harmon could be fair. And the McCarthy stacks yes. are are really across the board in a nice place headed into an event like this. Wish the field wasn't so strong at the top, though, but you know. A tournament where he's played well. 33rd miscut 13th last year for old Denny McCarthy. I can, I mean, it's not going to get my money, but I, I see where you're coming from from that. He's sort of like, you know, he's like a minor league version of Harmon. I don't feel like his upside is there uh, compared to where, like, Harmon can get really, like, Harmon will hit every fairway. He can get really scorching with his irons and really hot with the putter. It just feels like McCarthy maybe once a year has one of those big iron, rat like, weeks, but that's it. Like, he's normally just not good. Like, you ha And if he's not putting really well, he's dead in the water. That's not necessarily the case with Harmon. But I, I do see what you're saying. Like, he's a part of that line of player. And they're the type of guys that win here. So I, I get it. Is there anyone with any sort of access to, does it, like, South Korean golf media? Because I am really interested in betting him and Kim this week, now that I'm sort of staring at the list of players that I might be betting. I mean, ask Kenny. I would say that he's probably your best possible pipeline. Yeah, I don't him. He just had a really ugly start to Saturday in the freezing conditions. Um, other than that, you know, in some Sunday, probably feeling like once he didn't make a birdie on the first three holes that he probably had to just 
do something stupid. So I don't really care how his Sunday unraveled, despite it was fine. Um, yeah, 35 seems fair. Talking aloud. I'm I'm done if you want to. Uh... You're not going to get on your boy Ricky, 140 to 1? <laughs> Honestly, I forgot about that. Um, I have no thoughts. Would I rather bet Danny Willett? Maybe. So no. We'll ride that hot putter into this week. Well, it could lift a trophy. I suppose that's true. <laughs> Maybe the weather can get bad for him too. Anyway. But let's Betting start. on Ricky would be truly like hoping part of that bet other than wanting it be like, I think he got inspired watching the Masters on TV. How jealous was Ricky Fowler that Justin Thomas stuck around to congratulate Scotty Scheffler? Uh, probably that torch has to be passed, I guess. <laughs> You're not there. Quick picks for the RBC Heritage. I'm going with Berger at 30, Kisner and Na both at 66. I will think about adding someone from that like mid-tier. Probably like, It'll be probably like, two or three of Neiman, Sungjae, Billy Ho, see, woo, Kim, and probably Brian Herman, if I can find that 100. That's probably what my card is going to look like for the week. But so far in on those three, Berger, M, and Kisner. Um, so I have uh, Berger and Net, M, and Na. Sorry, Berger, Neiman, not M, Neiman, and Na are the three bets that I have made. I really do, as we discussed, uh, Sungjae could also find his way on that card i think 35 to 1 um that might even be a better bet than neiman and uh hoagie i like at the back from uh mccarthy in the 50 range norin i'm gonna look at so yeah those that is sort of the the short list at about 100 though i could stare at at aaron wise and maybe take a chance okay Thinking yeah. about thinking about Hadwin as well, just because the numbers like him so much, and maybe I should just start trusting the numbers that I program into things and what they tell me. Just because the number. If you had to bet in front of thirty, like in front of twenty-five, who would you pick? Morikawa. Not including Morikawa. Justin or Morikawa. Ju oh, um... or even Camps. No, nah, no, you pick Morikawa. I don't want to put any restrictions. If you had to make a Morikawa. bet under twenty-five, it'd be Morikawa. Yeah. Okay. After that, it would be Lowry. Lowry and Fitz. Yep, 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 yep. One and done picks for the Heritage. As mentioned, Cust is going with Cantley this week. Has he picked Cantley yet? I should probably go check that out. No, he has not picked Cantley. Who would you like this week, sir? Did I pick Rory last week in ours? I believe that you did, yes. Good, that works for me. Well, the guy who was updating it stopped updating it, so now I don't know where anyone stands anymore. <laughs> But you did have Rory. I had Rom, so you, you really won that battle. Have I ever used Matthew Fitzpatrick? You have not, to my knowledge, you haven't. So I think you're good. Throw him in there. We're almost at the time of the year where he's... We're almost ending the time of year where he plays well. So Matthew Fitzpatrick. Yeah, I'll go with Lowry then as my one and done. At the RBC Heritage, reminder to smash a like, play in the listeners' league, and let Jeff tell you where you can find jeff for the rest of the week because he has a bunch of different programming coming out now 
Yeah, so super excited. I'll be live with the guys over at BetSports Tuesday mornings, 11 o'clock. Don't miss it. And my video with uh, Rick Rick Gaiman at Rick Run Good will be dropping for odds checker as well. All right. Follow me at the PME on Twitter, sub to the newsletter, play in the Listener's League, and sub to the channel. That's all I got on the go for the winners of the Masters Swag Draw. I'll be contacting you probably by the time that you watch or listen to this. Reminder for everyone out there, too, to rate and review the audio podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. That is a way that you can help out the show. Brand new baseball show on Mayo Media Network as well. Daily bets and picks with our guy, MLB Moving Averages, John Legaza, who is pretty sharp at baseball betting especially like the first five that kind of stuff uh, i recommend that you go check it out give john a chance and uh, he's probably gonna win you some money all right i'm pat marrow thanks for watching i'll see you next time